This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, Jonathan Macri, with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Uh, I am holding my laughter because, uh, well, for a couple of reasons. One, uh, this is officially the first Knicks Film School podcast that is being recorded via Zoom. I have moved into 2020 um, at the urging of uh, my producer. He's only been asking me to do this for the last four five since months. quarantine started john macri that's how long i've been asking you to do this <laughs> you're All supposed right. to stay quiet until i introduce you oh my this bad gonna, my first podcast my bad Go ahead. this is gonna yeah he's, he's a <laughs> novice um this is gonna be weird because you got two podcast hosts on the same podcast so um gave away the the bank here um joining me for this episode um you have heard him you heard him a long time ago well not that long ago um, on the uh, Gotham Sports Network uh, doing a series of podcasts on all kinds of different things. Got that right. And uh, <laughs> good times. Um, like the Steve Mills era. Good times. Mm. Um, and you can hear him now on his own podcast, which I I happen to be a frequent guest on. But those are probably the worst episodes because he interviews actual real people that do real important stuff like write books. Um, yeah, I mean, you haven't a, written a book yet. That's all that has to happen. Write a book yeah. and then you well, can be added to that list of people, John, and and get some talent. Um, he, uh, the podcast is called The Final Score. It's a great podcast, uh, covers everything uh, that's actually interesting in the world. Um, I could probably think of a bunch more things to say about you, but I'm just going to bring you in. Um, my producer of this show as well, Andrew Claudio. Well, first of all, as people who heard our show last week know, the social network is an important movie in my life. And in, as far as I'm concerned, it's the best movie of the past decade we had. And there's a key line in there when oh Justin Timberlake as Sean Parker is having uh, dinner and drinks with them for the first time. He says, drop the the, just Facebook. It's cleaner. So it's final score, not the final score. And I've been begging you to go from the Nick's Film School podcast to Nick's Film School pod, which I think it actually is. I think yes. Drop the the. It's cleaner. Okay. It's uh, the 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 is dropped. By the way, update. Um, this is actually kind of embarrassing. Following our Sorkin pod, not to get off track. Mm-hmm. Um, I was having a conversation about Mr. Sorkin with my wife, and uh, I discovered that she had never seen. Are you sitting down? I yeah, am. Yeah. Yes. I'm scared where this conversation goes now. A few good men. Uh, okay. Unless she hadn't seen the social network. Oh, for you. Wait a minute. Well, that's the thing is like in all the, I mean, we met at a, when I was, I was 
practicing law. She worked in that in that law office. She wasn't a lawyer, but she worked there. Um, but I'm just shocked in like all the years that I've like. But then it occurred to me, like I probably watched this movie 500 times, but while flipping through cable and I haven't flipped through cable a lot since I've we've gotten together because it's been, you know, the age of, of streaming. So we sat down and watched A Few Good Men uh, two nights ago. And she thinks it's maybe one of her favorite movies ever. Well, duh. It's yeah. one of the greatest movies ever. One of the best courtroom movies for sure. And one of Sorkin's yeah. best movies all time. Easily. Well, congratulations, Dolores. Welcome to 1995. Um, yeah. 92, 92, actually. Uh, um, is that really? 92? It's Yeah, it's Wow, 92. we're old. Okay. Um, so, uh, oh, I should probably talk about what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Um, so... I went on your show as an excuse to talk about some stuff, not the Knicks. Mm -hmm. We are um, going to talk about the Knicks on this episode. And we have um, a fun little gimmick that we're going to do in a bit. Should I, I don't want to. Should I give away the gimmick? Well, OK, let me let me jump in real quick. I, don't, I promise I won't take over too much because I is would your love for you to take over this podcast. I hate hosting. Well, let me let me just say this as somebody, as John mentioned, that used to be in the Knicks content world that hosted my own Nick show with your co-host, Jeremy Cohen, and knows what it's like to do a show weekly with that brain in particular. Um, I know what it's like to try and find content with this basketball team, especially how realistically, how well you guys and Alex and, and uh, Schwinn and all the, everybody that's hosted Nick podcast that you've figured out how to do content the last seven months is incredible because I know what it's like when this team is, so bad that you have to say the same things every week and you guys have done it successfully. And they haven't played basketball in seven that's months. That's the thing. That's why I keep saying seven months. They haven't played since March and it seems like there's something to talk about every week. Having said that, I am very fortunate and grateful that I don't have to dedicate time to that anymore. But I understand <laughs> the hustle and bustle of creating its content. However, in a tribute to the late, great Jerry Stiller, who played... What was who's Costanza's father, right? Yes, he was Costanza's father, among, among other roles over the decades. Right, yes, he was but Costanza's specifically dad. for where I'm going with this, he introduced a concept called the airing of grievances, where before Thanksgiving, you say everything you don't like about people that are in your life before you continue with Thanksgiving and celebrating. And I have some grievances. I need to get out because there's been a lot of takes on your pod over the last seven months. Oh, my goodness. That are Knicks related. You're ambushing me. I thought we were going to talk. We were going to intro the uh, the all time uh, best Nick team, which we're OK. We're going to get to that in we'll a bit. We'll get to that in a bit. We're so going to get to that in a that's bit. That's the right. spoiler for what's like. And that's probably going to be the title of the podcast. So that should be fun. It'll have a nice graphic that goes with it. Well, because your producer is incredible. He really is. I will just start with this. So I have 11 grievances. They're really quick. I promise. Are they in order? What? The the grievances? The grievances. Are they in order? Oh, from like chronologically? Most? No, they're just. No, no, no. Are they in order from most? Uh, the order in which. Oh, how upset. How, no, they're all equally tense. Like I only chose the ones that have bugged wow. me the most. Okay. How many? I'm afraid to ask how many. Forget nines. How many like fives and sixes were there? Uh, you, you, you talk about a lot on this podcast. John, so I, I have to I, cut I out certain things. Can I just start with this? Because sure. I'm going to catch grief for this and I'm going to catch specifically like Knicks fans might give me some grief for this. Not a single player on this roster is untouchable. If I see one more person say we can't trade 
Kevin Knox for blank. We can't trade Frank for blank. Because here's the thing. Kevin Knox, I want to see what he is with a developmental staff that is focused on literally anything the opposite of what Keith Smart was doing. That's like totally fine with me, right? Craig Robinson, don't forget him. Right. So like the st- the development staff they used to have was apparently like non-existent. So I'm okay with, <laughs> it was this, a guy. New- with this new staff, you know, was, like- They had a guy. They had a guy, exactly. <laughs> now we've had a guy. literally done seven months of podcasts of all of these developmental guys that are supposed to be known for fixing players that are projects. So fine, I'd like Kevin Knox to be on this team and see what happens, but- on all these mock trades that people are like, no, I'm not trading Kevin Knox. Why? I just went through an entire postseason where I'm hearing about how inept the Knicks are because they took Kevin Knox over Bridges, over Porter Jr., over Shea Gilders Alexander. But Kevin Knox is now off limits in a CP3 trade. What are we doing? I, the I Stockholm just like, syndrome with his fan base. I would like, okay, here's what I'm going to do. I am going to either acknowledge my uh, complicity. Is that a word uh-huh. <laughs> um, in, in your grievance or um, I'm going to be like, that's not on me. And I'm going to, I'm going to start out. That's, that's not, this on one's you. not on me. Yeah. This one's not Can on I me. Can I give one that is on you? But sure. I understand. I'm in the very silent minority on this. Okay. Um, so Frank. Oh, no. I go see. I, I argue with Jerry B about this for three years. So it's not that I don't like him. And I understand what he brings to the table. He is an above average NBA defender and a below average offensive yeah. basketball player. I understand that what he brings to the table doesn't always show up in the box score, which is why you actually have to watch. That's why I came up with that analysis that I just gave. Schwinn actually gave me the best player comp for what peak Frank could end up being. And it's Caruso. Like, on a good team... Yeah, it's Frank who, Frank who makes threes. Right. So, like, on a good team, that's what Frank is. If Frank was on a good team the last two years, you're probably hey. getting the same production as Alex Caruso. And An Alex undrafted Caruso, free agent, which means yes, you can find that anywhere. No, 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 no. Because Alex Caruso... Look, he, yes, he's undrafted, but he was also the... I'm going to go ahead and say the fifth most important player. And that's not really fair because that team was so top-heavy. But he was the fifth maybe sixth most important player on a championship team. And he played like 20 some odd minutes a night. That's, and that's what Frank could be if he just could hit a jumper at a more consistent well, that's the thing. rate. Like, I agree hit. with everything about Caruso. My point is that next year, Frank is due for his first big extension and he was the eighth uh, pick in the draft. So he's going to be paid like the eighth pick in no, the draft. He, I, so I'll, we'll see. Listen, I'll, I'll, I'll bet you a, a uh, what do you want to bet? A donut? I like donuts. Do you like donuts? Can we get Moe's? Oh yeah. I'll, I'll bet you Moe's. Sure. I'll bet you I'll bet you a Mo's burrito. Um, I'm going to defend the Frank thing when we go to our next segment, but I'm going to hold my tongue for now. What's your next what's your next grievance? So this actually takes us back in times when the Knicks didn't have a head coach and the venomous back and forth between Team Atkinson and Team Tibbs. I never thought that there was a clear cut answer, but. The more and more, and I, look, I actually like Budum and think he's a, an incredible follow on Twitter, Kalen too, but like everything Kenny Atkinson has ever touched was gold, apparently. <laughs> and there, there, there has to be a reason why we're now months after Tibbs got hired and Chicago didn't pick him, the Clippers didn't pick him, New Orleans didn't pick him, Indiana didn't pick you, him. You, Houston's not going to pick him. Right. And I think is that uh, and 
Oklahoma City. I mean, may, maybe they Oklahoma do. Oklahoma City but. might, but my point being, I thought there was pros yeah, and, and cons to everybody, and this was yeah. kind of a pick either or. I didn't think there was a clear cut thing, but those that were pro Atkinson and anti Tibbs, I kind of made me just want them to hire Tibbs, so you don't get to be happy. Uh, that's I that didn't bother. Again, I'm not, I I take no responsibility for that because I was uh, not, you were neutral. You were down the I, middle. I was. I, I mean, look, I, I I started kind of favoring Kenny, then I went over to Tibbs, but I acknowledged the whole time that like I would be happy with your choice. No, that's fair. Okay, I like that. Uh, what's the next grievance? So this does kind of refer to you, but okay. not fully. You'll see okay. what I mean in a second because. When Porzingis was performing most of last season, when he was he went on this one stretch of like 12 games where he averaged like 29 and 11. Yeah. And it was like Doris Burke had that moment of what did the Knicks give up for Porzingis uh, or get trade Porzingis yeah. for? You know what I'm saying? So Knicks fans kind of lost their shit that they traded Porzingis. In fact, this might actually pertain more to Oz because he says the Porzingis trade is the winner of the Knicks Will Smith meme bracket, yes. which I will bring up in a second, by the way. Um, the Knicks can't lose the Porzingis trade already, but then I also have to hear that they lost the Mellow trade because six years after that trade was made, Jamal Murray got drafted. It, I there's a difference. How there are classifications of stars in the NBA, and Luca is in class whatever the highest class is. I think he has. I I think if they listen. Could could he get could Luca get injured this offseason? Could he sh- trip on his way to grab a beer from the fridge uh, when he's partying with his harem of women, which I'm sure he has? Um, and and what kind of life do you think Luca Doncic is living right now? I think he has a harem. I okay. think he actually has, I think he has multiple harems. I think his harems are so big that they can't be qualified as a single. Right, hold harem. on, maybe my dumbest moment of of my life talking. What's a harem? What is that? A, a harem. It's a. I believe my underst- my understanding of a harem mm-hmm. is a is a, a group of concubines that are at your service. Oh, brothel. Well, no, but they they travel with you. A brothel is a location. Oh, you so can like bring a, your harem. A brothel like, on the can, go. Yeah, you could bring your harem to like the car wash it's like or you could bring brothel. your or you. Yeah, you could bring your harem to, you know, uh, Froyo, um, okay. you know, wherever you want. So uh, it's they a, could, an entourage with benefits. Sure. You might okay. want to say that. That's a harem. And he has multiple harems anyway. OK, if he if he should um, entangle himself in a game of naked twister and be injured all of next season, then, you know, I'm going to have to eat my words. But my my think my the reason to me. Why those two things are different or two. Well, primarily it's Luca. So as long as he's healthy, I think they're going to win, you know, 50 games every year. And two, and I hate to have to be the one to point this out, but for all of his, um, the reasons why Mark Cuban may not be a shining example of a good owner. um, He has for the better part of his tenure, put a competent product on the floor with the Mavs. So if you look at their organization versus the organization that Mello was coming to, which had, has, Dolan is the owner. If you're like, well, yeah, we're giving the mellow, but these picks are a little far out. And if anybody could F this up, it's the Knicks. What were we going to say? Well, so I think you're because this actually leads into the next grievance, which is very on your side of the like those Dallas picks have lost so much value because Luca exists. I I think the Dallas picks are valuable in the sense 
that the Knicks just put a staff together that's supposed to be able to turn the 18th or 22nd yeah, pick in the draft. Don't piss them away. Right. I'm not so saying I'm that. I'm not saying, like, get rid of them, but if, like, Brandon Ingram's available and one of the assets that you're giving up in a trade, well, I guess he's a restricted free agent, so you wouldn't even have to. He but, is. I'm, but, like, a player like that, I'm with you on the fact that I don't, I don't know what the Porzingis surgery has to do with how valuable the Dallas picks are because I think Luca is an automatic 47 wins as long as he's healthy there. I, well, they're the 11th. They have the 11th best title odds next season, the Mavs, mm-hmm. and those odds are up and have not been reduced since the KP injury news because he's probably going to be back for the start of next season. And Oh, by the way, one of the picks is top 10 protected. Yeah. The especially Knicks- the top 10 protected one. If anything, the fact that that was top 10 protected means it's valuable because the Knicks will at least get to pick in the first round that year. Cause if it be, what if the, the Mavs oh, that, fall no, out that, of the top 10, it becomes a second. No, 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 it's no, sorry. If the, if the pick is top 10 protected in 2023 and yeah. if it lands in the top 10, which it's not going to, obviously it just rolls over to being a top 10 protected pick the next year. And then I think that happens once more and then it converts to two seconds. Yeah. It's going to be two seconds. Well, no, it will never no, be two no, seconds. It's, yeah. No, it's, it's not because they're, it, they're, the only way that would happen is if they had one of the 10 worst records in the league. So my saying is it's agree, never going to be a top 10 pick. You only have one real true lottery ticket. And again, does anyone really think that the Mavs are going to finish with, you know, outside the playoffs? I don't I, understand I, the, like, it's so much more valuable because it's, I think at the lowest, it's the 18th pick in the draft. Like this year, they're picking 18th. A year that they were the seventh seed in the West. Let me let me put it this way: If there was a dotted line I could sign on right now for that pick to be the twenty first, agreed. Next year, I would sign in blood. Anybody that, that says lower 21st. is delusional. That that that's not to be like mean to Knicks fans, but like I think you're delusional if you think that they're gonna fall that far. I think there's a chance it's like the twenty seventh or the twenty eighth pick. So if I could sign for maybe twenty, yeah, actually, maybe I wouldn't sign for twenty first. Okay, let me rephrase that. I would sign for it to be the nineteenth today. I'll I'll go nineteenth because again, Luca has the harem, and and funny things happen when you have harems. Right. Um, I think that there's a a contingent. Uh, what was the word you just used? The the con the concubines in the. The the brothel on the go. What's it called? Harem. harem. I think there's a harem of Knicks fans that. <laughs> that think that pick Let's is going to end beer. up in the lottery next year in the Cade Cunningham yes, draft. That's ridiculous. I don't, I don't understand. What you're that. saying is you think Luca's going to get hurt in that case. I, I don't. I don't see any other way. That's the only way it happens. So maybe that is the the gamble you want to play with, but that's just, just not happening. I'm sorry, Luke. And it's not like to me, Luca. I I look at the way he's built. I look at the way he plays. He. It's not like he has a vertical game where he's like going up and catching lobs and stuff. I just, I don't, you know, and look, crazy shit has happened. I just, I personally don't. I well, don't even more it. so, it's just not something to plan for. It's not something to mortgage your future around. Well, but on the flip side, and I think what Schwinn specifically has gotten on me about is he's like, it, it's irresponsible to just piss away the pick, assuming that that can happen. So it's like, it goes both ways. It's like, don't treat it like nothing because, hey, you never know. But at the same time, what you're saying, don't you can't plan on it being like you. You should be planning on it being a pick in the mid 20s. And then if it's better, great. If it's not OK, you know, that's one. Uh, what you just said, you can understand what the asset is and treat it yes. like an asset, especially like I said, with the new staff that they've put together. I'm excited to see what they do with the Clippers pick this year. Like that's a yeah. legitimate thing I'm excited for. Um, yeah. 
back to just one grievance earlier. The, Please, yes. Well, I'm a mellow stan, and I know you're not. So I was able to fight off for years that the Knicks won the mellow trade. Then Jamal Murray got drafted, and it became a lot harder. And I, I kept having to hear because, well, there's this pick coming in 2016 that we don't know what it's going to be. And then it became Jamal Murray. So as a result, I have to wait until all these picks are made in the I, Porzingis trade so that way I can see what the final product is. I am not a mellow stan and you have to make that trade. Was it the best trade they could have made? No, they should have held out. Or you know what? Waited until if he came in free agency, you have to make the trade. And I'll even say I'll say that now. Okay, good. As long as you say that at least, because there's also there were they were headed for a lockout. No, Everybody you, was trying to get their money. ASAP. Listen, they had already made the, the Amari if you, trade. If you can get the guy, yeah. If you can get the guy, get the guy. And it, it's like anybody who says otherwise is like that's just ignoring lots of years of basketball history. Next grievance: anyone that is still pro tank um, is a loser. Um, especially after seeing what the new lottery odds do to uh, devalue the whole concept of tanking and with seeing what Miami, Indiana, Utah, Toronto, Denver, and yes, even Brooklyn have accomplished without tanking. So two years ago, the Knicks had the worst record in the league, right? Yes. Two teams jumped them, the Memphis Grizzlies and the New Orleans Pelicans. Both of those teams won 33 games each. That is what tanking does now. A two teams that won 16 more games than you can jump you in a two-player draft. Um, so I will. I take. I take issue with this, and here's my only response. Okay. Tanking. Tanking is different if for different franchises. For example, if Oklahoma City trades away everybody, or trade more directly to the point, trades away Chris Paul and doesn't resign Danilo Gallinari and ships off uh, Steven Adams and finishes last in the West and finishes with the second or third worst record in the league, right? Everybody, literally everybody in the league is, oh my God, Sam Presti is a genius because he got all these picks for all these guys at Russell Westbrook and Paul mm-hmm. George, and then he tanked at, ex- tanked at exactly the right time. And you know why people say that? Because there's a positive atmosphere around Oklahoma City. And you know why there's a positive atmosphere around Oklahoma City? Because they're competently run. And they've been competently run for a long time and they could tank and it doesn't have the adverse effect of, oh, what a stupid, shitty franchise embracing losing. They've already shown they could win so they could get away with it for one year for the Knicks who haven't shown they've been able to win for 20 years. I think it's even if they went into next season, let's for argument's sake, say they went into this next season being like, yeah, we're going to lose a bunch of games. I still think it comes off differently and i still think it's harder it's harder to pull off which goes towards your point which is why i've ultimately turned my at my position from i would like to thank next year to i'm like no we have to we have to get some good vibes in this building it's just not a foolproof strategy anymore i understood it that your luca was gonna yeah, be in the, the draft the, the math still works out in you can end up with the five pick, and maybe that's like there's still four other teams that can get a player that's gonna be yeah. better. And you and you have to nail the pick, right? RJ and Barrett. Many, and oh well, I'm not listen. out on RJ by the way. I don't, I'm not trying to say that, but think about the two players ahead of him is all I'm saying. Go look at, but just go look at all. But I'm I'm talking about. Let's say you get the first pick or the second pick or the third pick, you still got to pick the right guy, right. and all you got to look do is look at literally any draft year, and you're gonna find two or three guys taken in the top five that turned out to be 
not nearly as good as guys taken probably right after. So JV's actually been hitting this point a lot lately that it's so much more about development that Utah built a contender with Rudy Gobert, who was picked 28th, and Donovan Mitchell, Mitchell, who was picked 13th. 13th, yeah. Look at what Miami just did with Bam and Tyler Hero. Like before that, I was Justice Winslow. Hugo Toronto, too. Indiana hasn't picked in the top 10, whatever. DeRozan was taken ninth. They traded him for Kawhi, who, by the way, was taken 15th. And they got Lowry. It's just so much more about development. And if you end up doing what the Sixers did. And by the way, how are things working out in... In Philly. That's my point. Like, which, which, which the Hinky apologist will be like, well, that's because they screwed it up after Hinky left. Well, uh, but we the, don't know. Mm, I talk. So I also interviewed your own for when he released yeah. the book, and like I mentioned on the pod, I just I never knew if Hinky had any plan other than keep diversifying, like keep trading guys for two picks, keep trading <laughs> guys for two possible. picks. Well, no, I think he would have he would have figured out a way to build around Simmons and be The only point that I want to make is that there are situations where I do think tanking strategically makes sense. And I think, for example, Oklahoma City is one of those situations this year. It makes sense for them to try to not lose, but like not make an overt effort to win this year. I think when you get into a situation where you have a losing culture for so long, I think it's a it's a it's at least a different conversation. I so okay. I agree in the sense that it is a plan if you get to a point where you'd rather like like what Atlanta done. I've low key admired because like I don't like trading for Lu- trading Luca like that is a whole other conversation. <laughs> but I day. like <laughs> that they gave Trey Young the keys and said like we're gonna build around this kid. But, but like that's not tanking to me. That's but we're that's young the other part and we're of it. building. If you have the guy, right again, but that gets back to what I was saying before, because there were a, all the positive juju around Atlanta because it's like, oh, it's OK that we suck. This kid's learning on the fly and it's going towards something positive. The Knicks, if they went into next year with their current core in big air quotes and whatever like veterans they put around them, it's it's going to be like it's not going to be pretty. There's not gonna, you're not going to by the end of the year, be like, Ooh, RJ future, you know, all NBA multi. It's like, so it's, I guess my more bigger point is that you can get that guy without rooting for your team to lose, which is so much against my, I, I've had so many fights with people over the years. Where no, listen, people I, would be, it, oh, the Knicks won. Darn it. It's like, well, I don't, I'm not going to be excited about my team winning. What are we doing? I here? think it's the best debate in sports. To, to be quite frank. And I think it's even better to be now that they've changed the lottery rules. So four quick ones. First okay, off, this is it. actually not directed at you. This is directed at your co-host, who is also my former co-host. Oh, you can shit on him all you want. It's Anthony fine. Davis was never coming here. Anthony Davis was never opting out with the Lakers. Like the guy <laughs> waived his trade exemption so that way he could be in Space Jam too. Like you don't do that if you're not going to then sign a Supermax in the offseason. I do think he's going to sign a one plus one. So yeah. that way he can be a free agent with LeBron and then he'll sign an extension then for five years because they'll have his bird rights. Like, and, I, then, and just more to the point, even if he did, the, like the Lakers crashed and burned last year. and They didn't win the title. Why is he choosing the Knicks? I think he likes that life. What? I think the Knicks? Re- he likes incompetence. Like we don't have this pattern. No, of but winning. I, I think I think. Listen, I'm going by something I I had heard about him like over a year ago, but like I think he he wanted to be in L.A. or New York, and I think he wanted to be in L.A. or New York for reasons 
for obvious reasons. So then he would have stayed in L.A. Look, I'm, I'm, that's one I'm not. Look, I agree that Jeremy thinking that it was possibly going to happen like soon is ridiculous and it's not. But I wouldn't I would not rule out that dude coming to coming to the Knicks at some point in his career. It's five years, but I don't so know. So maybe this is more the grievance. We went through this last year. I went through this last year. I'm not counting on it. I'm not. But I'm at the point where I will believe it when I see it. I've been the one. I refuse to engage in any meaningful Giannis discussion because it's ridiculous. Yeah, I don't agree with you there then. Like I said, this is more at anybody that does the photoshops, anybody that does the, well, we have cap space next summer. It's like, yeah, so we cannot get the guy that everybody wants. Um. Two more quick ones. Well, okay, okay, three more quick ones. One is actually just more giving you props because I was I'll producing the pod when you said to Jeremy that you would trade all these assets for Donovan, Donovan Mitchell. And this is back in like April, back when oh, yeah, it's a while ago. Right. So this is like the first time it was mentioned. And then Schwinn and Drew were like, how dare you? And invited yeah. you on the pod and yelled at you for a whole hour. I and then that. three months later, guess what we were doing, John? Please tell me. Debating how the Knicks can trade for Donovan Mitchell and all the players that you mentioned were in that trade. The 180 that we did because we were stuck in quarantine and tired of watching Tiger King. Incredible. (laughs) I never watched the minute of Tiger King. I'm proud to say. Good. Even though it's probably going to be my Halloween costume. So just on behalf of the guy whose pod I produced, the host of this pod, you deserve credit for that. I I, will shit on you, which I now get to shit on you for this. Please. Jeremy Lin going to Houston was not that heartbreaking, dude. Okay. You said it had a so, case to win the the Will Smith face bracket. I do. I said it had a case. I didn't say it was my pick. Um, and it wouldn't have been my pick. Would have been in my probably would not have been in my top five if I'm being honest. Okay, but good. I think when you come, it's tough because the the people that counter this. Are like, yeah, but he got it was over. He got exposed against Miami. Insanity was done. It was dead, right? Okay. That is my case. Yes. Okay. He was a rookie. He was an NBA rookie. And he went out and looked terrible against the, literally the most for the maybe I don't know what their the Heat's defensive ranking were that was that year, but anyone can, who watched that team could agree the Heat had the highest defensive ceiling in the league that year. And arguably like when they were on their P's and Q's as high a defensive ceiling as any team we've seen in the last 10 years, other than the peak warriors and, you know, maybe some of those late Celtics teams. So, and those dudes went out that day and they're like, and they're like, wait a minute, this, this kid owns New York now, instead (laughs) of our boy, fuck him. Yes. And people, and people are basing their arguments on, Oh, it wasn't a big deal. Insanity was done on that game. When those dudes made a point to stop him, come on. Okay, so maybe not necessarily the Miami game, although I do think he got exp- he. That's the first time he looked like a D leaguer at the time, was when he played against Miami. That yeah. I don't yeah, necessarily <laughs> think because I agree with you that one game shouldn't be the sample size. It's basically my whole argument for ranking quarterbacks based on okay. one Super Bowl appearance. You know, um, yeah. because he was playing so much during the three weeks of insanity and going to that load management that he all of a sudden had to it's why he tore his meniscus like that going from zero to 38 okay. minutes a game no, no i'm not this is this is a larger yeah. point like i'm not no, blaming maybe. him for getting hurt but then he you. tore his meniscus and was out for the rest of the season the knicks then went 18 and 6 without him and showed you what a roster without him that was centered around mellow and amari and like a lot of mellow at the four too because amari 
also went out six games after Jeremy Lin went out. And you got to see what the Knicks looked like. Again, 18 and six. And, and that was a motivated mellow. Right. Right. And then you go into the offseason and it's like, well, I'd love to have Jeremy Lin back, but I have a, an example that's a much larger sample size of them being successful without him. And that goes to the larger picture, which is we had us and he was a superstar. He wasn't a star. He was a superstar. Carmelo Anthony was a superstar. And I'm saying that we had to deal with a superstar's whims and moods. And is he motivated? Is he in the right frame of mind? Is he going to pass the ball this week? Um, this half, this, this possession for all of those years. And that to me, knowing that took away any bit of unadulterated joy that I otherwise would have had ever watching a mellow led Knicks team for that period of time, watching Linsanity, that was as unadulterated joy as I've had since I was a small child watching the Knicks. And when they let him walk, because fuck why that, to me, that's why I thought it should have been in the conversation. It was you fired like, up for this pot. I like it. <laughs> that, no, this gets me. Re- this this gets this talking it. about this gets me really fired up because just um, yeah, I don't know. That's it's. I'm not saying it's logical, but there there is a reason why it's like it's in my bones that I feel. That but one. doesn't every superstar have those those concessions you have to make? Not the ones that win at all. I, okay, like Russell Westbrook didn't have those concessions. Like yeah, he ain't won shit. Okay. The, so that's will. your case is that Melo didn't win enough, even though that's more on management than it is on Melo. Although I, I guess your case is that you had a chance to build around him with Jeremy Lin and it didn't work that way. That he didn't want to share the spotlight with Jeremy Lin. Exactly. All exactly. Right. I they, didn't they, think they, it was I, as sustainable in the moment. I didn't think it was sustainable. And I'm not saying and I'm not saying it's it was ever going to happen. There's no universe where this would have happened. But if, God forbid, they chose Jeremy Lin that offseason and decided to seek the best package they could have gotten for Carmelo Anthony. I wrote about this in, oh my God, seems like years ago, early in quarantine. Um, they could have gotten some packages. And um, I would have just, I would, you know, I would be curious to see what that, and nobody ever thinks about that what if because 12 13 happens and, you know, whatever. But um, they, uh, people conveniently forget uh, 13 14, 14 15, 15, you know. So I, I put a lot more of that on the organization than on Mellow. That's the problem. It is. And it should go in the organization. And it's not all Mellow's fault, but. This is God. a whole other pot. I feel again. I it wanted really, to get some. Really, I wanted really, to peel off some of your mellow hatred, and I got enough that the you have been exposed as a mellow hater once and for all, John Macker. I'm not. No, I'm not. You trust me. You don't know. What, I know it's probably worse. <laughs> uh, by the way, it, the correct answer to the Will Smith face bracket meme tournament um, for me, and I feel like I don't know if anybody else feels this way. The whole concept is embarrassment. It's not just heartbreaking loss. Well, I think it, I think that changes. I think that changes for for each person. Everybody interprets everybody interpreted it. Fine, it's subjective. The most embarrassed I've ever felt being a Knicks fan is last June, like the night that Katie and Kyrie signed in Brooklyn. Didn't I make it? The, didn't I make that the two seed? Oh, you did. No, I'm seed? just saying. Yeah. Like, yeah. Oz was saying that it's the Porzingis trade, and my argument is it's five months after the Porzingis trade. The most embarrassed I've ever been is that after five months of doing podcasts that. Like, how is Zion going to play next to KD? And, well, do we have enough spacing? Well, if Anthony Davis comes here, then look out. Would you trade Zion for, well, how many picks? I'm not trading Frank for Anthony Davis. Oh, wait. Julius Randle, Alfred Payton, Bobby Portis, everybody and their mother that plays the four. Um, The most embarrassed I've ever been is watching this team from New Jersey that's lived here for seven years get the offseason that I always wanted. 
Can I tell you a very, very quick story? Yeah. Very, real quick. And then we're going to get to our, the, the actual podcast right. instead of just us bitching. Um, that day, June 30th, um, I actually, like an idiot, expected the news to wait until six o'clock, mm-hmm. which is when like the, so we had to go, my uh, brother and sister-in-law were away and um, we had to go feed their cats. And before that, we had to go stop at Target. So we had to run errands. So I found out that that was going down gradually as we were running errands at Target and then um, at their house feeding the cats. And I was doing, I did a, a periscope immediately after the news dropped. And like my daughter was like screaming like a banshee in the background. And my wife was like not trying to like contain her. And I stopped the periscope when I got annoyed and my wife then got annoyed at me because she's like, well, why are you doing a periscope right now? We have to go feed this, the cats. Um, you, you know, you're letting this get to you. Uh, uh, fine. Went home, recorded the podcast. Um, and then my wife listened to the podcast the next day. And that, that next night she's like, I'm so sorry. Oh no. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like why? She's like, I never realized how much this stuff meant to you. Oh, that's actually sweet uh, now. Okay. It's still the most embarrassed I've ever been, but that's sweet. Yeah, no, she's like, I didn't realize you could go to that dark of a place. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Um, I still remember that. It's bad. It's bad. One last thing that's directed 100% at you. Um, So the Webster's, the Merriam-Webster's Dictionary definition of the word greatness. And yes, this is. Oh, God. Okay. No, this I'm bringing this concept over to your pod. Okay. The quality or state of being great as in size, skill, achievement, and power. Therefore, the GOAT debate is over. It's Michael Jordan. Nobody has ever had, like, skill is a a completely separate argument. I actually think LeBron James is the best basketball player I've ever seen. But as far as, like, stature and status and power and achievement, like, it's Michael Jordan. Like, there's a reason we say people are the Michael Jordan of something. And, and, um, you know what else? Um, and Bernard and Yash were, we were texting about this the other day. Um, people tune in for greatness mm-hmm. and, uh, people didn't tune oh, yeah. in for, it's like, yeah. it's like, dude, 9 million people watch game five. Well, I think it's a, yeah, it's the first time it's, like the, with a base, whatever baseball yeah, game, game one, baseball yeah. game one, which baseball had one thing to beat. My point is game five was that Friday that yeah. Jimmy Butler, that was the best game of the bubble. And for me, it's, it's, it's bad. Nobody watched that game. I'm not going to, I'm not going to argue with you. Listen, I still think I will always think Jordan is the greatest. My only point in, in over the last few weeks is that it's, if you're just looking at the achievements, mm-hmm. right. It's, 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 it's a conversation. It's Aaron Rodgers or Dan Marino against Brady. Yeah. Like you can exactly. say somebody's better, yeah. Which is why I'd like to introduce the concept to this podcast boat. of the boat. <laughs> the Let boat. LeBron be the boat because the goat has already well, been actually, settled. Actually, this is, I'm going to bring, hold on, I'm writing this down. Okay. okay. Uh, this will lead into our next discussion. Um, I'm going to actually t- start it off with that. Um, any more grievances? This is, that was my final grievance. Okay. Thank you for letting me get that off my chest. I'm, I'm happy that you feel better now. Yes. I think I could see it. It, 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 it I, literally... I was able to exhale because I've been holding mm, the amount of takes I've heard. So thank you, John. Hey, listen, if we, let's do this once a year, at least. Deal. Um, before we, before we get to talking about the uh, great, well, about this should be fun. This will be fun. I, I'm yeah. convinced this will be fun. No, I was about did you catch me? I was about to say before we get to talking about the greatest Nick team of our era, and then I stopped myself because are we talking about the greatest Nick team of our oh, era? Or are we talking about the best Nick team of our okay. era? Okay. Well to decide that before we get there though, there you go. We have to hear a word from our good friends. You know who I'm gonna bring up. 
It is my bookie. So my bookie, look, I, I come on here and I mention my bookie every week. Um, the great thing about my bookie is you could literally place wagers on anything. It's NFL. It's college ball. We got the World Series going on right now. I think, right? The World Series is still going yes. on, Andrew. Tonight they're off, but some games three game three is tomorrow night. There you go. Um, there are literally thousands of lines available for all your pro sports uh, and events. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you would like to bet favorites, if you want to do a parlay, um, you could do it. Which, by the way, Andrew. Do you have a, a parlay that you that you saw on my bookie? I do, in fact. Uh, so we are about half an hour away in our time from the second and final presidential debate. If you would like to add a little spice to our nation's democracy, I have an eight-way parlay between the eight important swing states for Biden to win Wisconsin, Virginia, Pennsylvania, Ohio, North Carolina, Michigan, Georgia, and Florida. It's plus 650. I, I, I'm not sure if like if this goes poorly, I'm not like I, I don't know. And and I lose money. on that, But you don't lose it. My book, my bookie means winning time. It's That's winning why it's, season. Exactly. It's winning season in my bookie. So Listen, I you, think, can, you know what you can bet on the on a futures out of when the election, when the, the loser will concede. And I think after November 13th is minus 1350, which is not what you want. Here's the thing. My bookie gives you the opportunity to just spice it all up. Games, bridge, championship futures, player profits, whatever you want. And best of all, use promo code overtime to claim a deposit match dollar for dollar all the way up to a thousand bucks. It's a bonus designed to give you a little head start on your winning season. So again, put in up to a thousand dollars, you get an extra thousand bucks. Um, up to that amount or anything less with the promo code overtime O V E R T I M E sign up today to begin your winning season exclusively at my bookie. And on that note. Okay. Real quick. I said minus 1350. That's a ridiculous. odds. It's minus 165 for if the loser of the election concedes on November 13th or later. But if you think they'll do it on the 12th, Plus twelve hundred. So those are good. Odds. I mean, look, they, go to my bookie. And, like seriously, yeah, I, like I, I one of my favorite spend... things when I go to do the my bookie ad to see what ridiculous parley <laughs> I can come up with. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, it is it is eight thirty. The debate's in about a half an hour. We're gonna uh, try to get this done before then. Uh, it's might be a challenge though. So a few um, weeks ago on mm-hmm. uh, Bill Simmons' podcast, I believe it was Zach Lowe went on and they did a little gimmick in which they did a 16-team tournament for the greatest um, uh, NBA champion of, I think it was the last 20 years, right? This yeah. century? It might have yeah. actually been eight, by the way. I think Simmons only did eight because he wanted Oh, yeah, that's to, right. He did yeah. only eight. You're right, you're right, you're right. I'm sorry. With one wild card playing mm-hmm. game. So we are going to do the same except um, with the Knicks. Now, um, the Knicks, as you may know, have not won an NBA championship <laughs> uh, recently. Uh, well, we have been watching at least. So no. what we're going to do is we're just going to do greatest Nick team. And I think it should be greatest, not best. Right. Cause that would be, we could just go by stats on that. It, it's going to be the greatest Nick team of this era. And we unofficially decided to start this era with the nineties. Um, Cause that's when I started watching. That's when, you know, you started watching, you were, you were a little young for a few of these teams, but um, so he, should we say the whole bracket first? Yes. Okay, so it's a so, one through one through eight with the eight seed having a playing game. Yes, so I wanna I wanna note just for the record, um, I did not do these seedings. I, I don't this I don't disagree with the seedings, and I'm right. They, so like, fight me if you disagree. I'm, I, listen, I think they're I think they're fine seedings. Okay, um, 
the one seed, the 93-94 Eastern Conference champion, New York Knicks. The two seed, 96-97 New York Knicks. That was the suspension uh, against Miami. Nine men, one mission. Yes. The uh, the three seed, 92-93 New York Knicks, which uh, tied franchise record 60 wins. Four seed, uh, 2012-13 New York Knicks uh, needs no introduction. Uh, The five seed. The 91-92 Knicks, really the first very good team uh, of the of the Ewing era. The number six seed, the 94-95 Knicks that lost uh, on the heartbreaking finger roll. The seven seed, the 98-99 Knicks, also Eastern Conference champions um, as an eight seed. And then uh, the in our play-in game, which is what we're going to start with, we have the 2011-2012 aforementioned Linsanity Knicks versus the 99-2000 Knicks, which is really kind of, I know they made the playoffs in 2000-2001, uh, but I think the 99-2000 team is really the the end of an era. Agreed. So um, we're going to start with the playing game. Um, I want to just give a couple. So we, we, I don't have, we don't have facts and figures for, for all of these, but for a few of them we do. Mm-hmm. So, Throw a couple, a couple ones out. So the eleven twelve Knicks, uh, they that was a shortened season. Um, they went thirty six and thirty, um, had a, a net rating of plus three point two, which was actually the eighth best in the league. I was shocked when I saw this. Did you know that that Linsanity team they were the third unluckiest team in basketball? Yes. I yeah. almost remember from watching, but yes. Crazy. Um, if they, if by their point differential, if they had played a full 82 game season, that team should have won uh, 82 games, which I was, or not, <laughs> sorry. If they had played 82 Wait, games, they should, have, they should have won 49 games. It's It's been a long That's day. That's the, the Pythagorean thing, right? Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. Um, 17th in offense, uh, fifth in defense. The 99 2000 Knicks did win 50 games in an 82 game season, 50 and 32. Um, not a very good net rating, plus 1.5, 12th best in the league, 22nd best offense, 6th best defense. Um, I will give it to you. Who do you think's winning this one? So I go back and forth because, like, one team made the conference finals, you know? So the greatness of it, you know, if we're talking about achieved the most, you have to almost give the nod to 99-2000. The problem, and it's honestly my problem with evaluating a lot of players from the East in basically since Jordan left until the big three in Boston formed, is that 99 was the first year that the East got really bad. Yeah. Like the Knicks made the finals as an eighth seed. The Nets made it back to back years and 51 wins can be the three seed. And it's like. Like the, the the talent level, so making the conference finals just isn't as good. And if we're going greatness, that eleven twelve team, we just had a very spirited debate. So there's clearly some passion behind yeah. different versions of that team. Whether you were pro Jeremy Lin or pro Carmelo Anthony, I would give the nod to the Linsanity team, which is wild. But we just said that their Pythagorean means they should have won forty nine games. So I would actually give the nod to them. Um, I think. It's a difficult discussion because the 99-2000 team, Ewing was past his prime. Um, you know, Spree, like no one on that team was anywhere close to the best version of themselves. And yet 
they faced off against a very young Toronto team. They First of all, they were the three seed because they did win 50 games. They faced off against a very young Toronto team in the first round of the playoffs. They swept that. And then they, that, oh my God, that war against the mm-hmm. Heat um, in the 3-2 matchup, which they won. Um, and then they kind of, it, you know, they it was a 4-2 uh, series in the Eastern Conference Finals. I lost to Indiana. But again, that really wasn't a great Indiana squad. Like you said, it wasn't a great East squad. The thing I have that, a trouble with with the 11-12 team is that Am I taking the best theoretical version of that team or am I taking the best version of that team that we actually saw, uh, which is, it, it makes, it makes it a little tough. Um, you, you went with the 11, 12 squad. Yeah. I, like there's the insanity version and there's the mellow motivated version that I think is really good. I'm going to go with the 11, 12 squad. And that actually hurts me because that 99, 2000, like victory against the heat in the playoffs, that was really, really memorable. Um, but I'm gonna go with 11, 12 in, in a in a in a seven game series. I yeah, it's weird because what rules are we playing with? Are we playing with the 99, 2000? It's rules? all seven. It's all seven game series. But like okay. I'm saying, what era are we in? Is this 99 when we're playing this game, or is this 2011? Um, and we're asking you and Tim Duncan, Tyson to, Chandler. I think you have to play in the modern era, which that gives the the nod even more to 11, 12. Agreed. Okay, so that moves us on to the now one eight. They, they, they're right back at it. We can um, do this quick if you want, because there's no scenario where I'm picking the ninety, the eleven, twelve team against the ninety three, ninety four Knicks. Yeah, we're we're both going to pick the ninety three, ninety four Knicks, and let's just read off the the stats. Um, fifty seven and twenty five, plus seven seven point five net rating, which um I don't have the net ratings for the sixty late sixties and early seventies teams, but that plus seven five is by far the best net rating um that the Knicks have ever had. Um, and they were just, they, they were just awesome. First in 90- defensive rating, first in opponents points per game. Ewing went 25 and 11 that season. Yeah, it was, I don't know if it was the best Ewing um, uh, because there's another, the, I think the year before when they won. Well, we're going to get, have, yeah, we're, we're going to get to that, but uh, it was, it was a damn good Ewing. Um, it was kind of a, it, I don't want to say a mishmash, but it was like, you know, Starks only started 54 games because he he missed a bunch of games. And like Hubert Davis started 27 games on that team. Um, obviously, Charles Smith was on it and he he played a, a fairly side role. I mean, it's 93-94. Do we give the 11-12 Knicks a game? Yes. Lynn Sanity. Well, I'll give him two. Jeremy Lynn goes off one game. Mello goes off oh, one wow. game. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, listen. Yeah. Okay. This I'll, way both I'm of like, us can be happy at one point in the series. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Okay, so uh, 93-94 moves on. Uh, next up is the four. We'll do the four five, or yes, we we'll do the two four five. Yeah, four five. Okay, four five matchup. Oh boy, um, the 2012-13 Knicks um, versus the 91-92 uh, New York Knicks. The 12-13 Knicks um, four point plus four point five net rating on fifty four wins, third best offense in the league. Man. What a fun team. Mm-hmm. 19th best defense. Not not quite as good. Uh, the 91-92 team, uh, 51 wins, so a few less wins, plus 4.1 net rating, slightly lower, slightly lower next rating. Um, if we're playing by modern rules, I... I it has to be the 12-13. The 12-13 team, because we're we've been spoiled by the Warriors, we've been spoiled by Daryl Morey, and the numbers yeah. are fudged now. 
at the time of 12-13, the Knicks set the record for three-pointers made in a season with 891. Now, other teams have exceeded 1,000 since then, and that came back to bite them in the playoffs when they couldn't make anything against Indiana. But yeah. like, you get Melo as the, the, the runner-up MVP. This, like, the 12-13 Knicks absolutely would win this series. And they, and they had... They had versatility that they could they could have gone big, you know, if they wanted to. Um, oops, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was an ad that popped up on, oh, on okay. uh, basketball yeah. reference. It does yeah. that every now. And then. All right. Um, I was saying uh, they could have gone big if they wanted to to, to match up with mm-hmm. the ninety one ninety two team size, but uh, yeah, I think we could. Like, uh, where do you want to go? Four one? No, because here's the thing, Riley. I think gets the Knicks prepared. I, I think Tyson Chandler, we saw him have problems with Hubert Davis. Like, uh, excuse me, Roy Hibbert. Bro, I was about to say. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> I think Hubert Davis would have had some problems with, with Tyson Chandler. Like, I think he would have had problems with Ewing too. I give the 91-92 team two games. We're talking about a team okay. that took the, the 67 and 15 Bulls to seven games. So I'm giving them two. That's that's Especially a great point. Especially by modern rules, you, you have to give the team that's which is interesting going forward. The team that is was arguably one of the best three point shooting teams ever to that point in history. Um, this one, this next one is kind of near and dear to my heart because mm. it features the ninety four, so ninety two, ninety three Knicks as a three seed. It might be a little low, a little, little shade thrown at ninety two, ninety three um, versus ninety four, ninety five. The 92-93 team, um, I want to make sure I get this, plus 6.4 net rating. Most impressive thing, they were 8.3 points per 100 possessions better than the average defense in the league. Not 8.3 points per 100 better than like the worst defense. 8.3 points per 100 possessions better than the average. Last year, the Bucs were the best defense in the league by far. We're only 7.7 points better than a league average defense. And that that 92-93 team was just an absolute monster. Um, it, it won, like I said, 60 games. The 94-95 team, not bad, though. 155 games, plus 3.4 net rating. Um, is the 94-95 team better than the 92-93 team in any way? No, but this is where the seating is... It's just a bad draw, you know? It's a bad draw, right? I think this goes seven, if anything, which is really? ironic because of how... Yeah, like we're talking about Ewing and then Ewing two years later. So, that yeah, but so Ewing's unequivocally worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and Starks is, you know, he's, fine. he's about the same. Derek Harper is a little bit worse. He got a little older. Um, it's Anthony Mason's, uh, that's a sixth man of the year, year 90, 94, 95, right? Yeah. It, it only started 11 games. He was, he was very good, but I also, it was his, it was his last year with the team. So, um, it was, that was like kind of the transitional year because you still had Charles Smith and Oakley and Mason. Um, uh, yeah, it's, did you know the 94, 95 version of John Starks? At that point, was the first ever player to make more than two hundred three pointers in a season. Um, I, I oh my god, I forgot that, and yeah. I misspoke. That was actually not that was not Mace's last year with the team. Mace was uh, spent one more year, ninety five, ninety six. So um, yeah, it's maybe you know what? Actually, you could argue that Mace. Yeah, absolutely, you can argue that Mace was better a better version of himself on the 94, 95 team than he was on the 92, 93 team. But 
Other than that, I nobody was better. I actually think this series would be over in like five or six games. Really? Okay. Yeah, I kind of do. I again, we're going modern rules. Like if you look at the per thirty six, which I, I don't know if it if you can with the nineties, but if you look at the per thirty six, like Hubert Davis shot forty five percent from three that season. Like you have some guys to he spread did, the yeah. floor with. So no, you're 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 not wrong. I'm not okay. saying there's let's any give world two, where they win this series. Let's but, give them two. Let's give them two games. So okay, we got another. We got all all six game series. So the far. 60 win team moves on. Um, and then our last first round matchup: 96, 97 Knicks versus the 98, 99 Knicks, which are the seven seeds. So here's the thing: this mm-hmm. is, I think, the, this is the best matchup of the first round. Yes, and I don't think it's close. Um, the 98, 99 team obviously made it to the Eastern Conference Finals. They were not a good team. Oh, the the 98-99 team made the NBA Finals, John. Sorry, what did I say? You're the Eastern did Conference I, Finals. Oh, yeah. I, say, uh, these, I misspoke. Yeah, they made, the, they made the finals, but they were not a good team. They were, uh, it was a plus 1.2 net rating, which was 14th in the league. They were the definition of league average. They went 27 and 23 in a 50-game season. They were, my goodness. They Okay, so they were the fourth best defense in the league, but the 25th best offense in a 29 team league they averaged they 86 points a game it was that it, it was so bad i it, it, if you're listening to this and you want some kicks on a saturday night um and you are like old like me and you have kids and you can't go out and you're also in the middle of quarantine still um like go look up some of the game scores from the 99 uh or the 98 99 season my goodness. Do you know how many times they scored 100 points in regulation that season? Uh, season or play? Regular season or playoffs? Regular season. Well, if you want to include the playoffs, they did it once in the playoffs. So, um, uh, um, I swear I'm not looking at this. Uh, I'm going to get how many times they hit 100 in the regular season. Yeah, it was only a 50 game season. <sighs> Again, no overtime. I'll say seven times. Four. Jesus. Scored 100 points four times in regulation. They had two games go to overtime where they hit triple digits, but this wow. team, it was first to 85 wins. Yeah, no, it was. Um, and they won, and they won, and they got all the way to the Eastern Conference Finals, in, or sorry, in a, it, the finals in a bad Eastern Conference. That's what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. The 96-97 team, now... You know how I team, feel about this team. I know you do, and a lot of people feel that way. Here's the thing. 57 wins, yes. A lot of wins. Plus 3.4 net rating, 10th best net rating in the league. That's not great. They were the second best defense. Okay, very good. 22nd best offense. It was this team to me is like, because when I think of the early Knicks, I think of Starks and Oakley. Mm -hmm. When I think of the later Knicks, I think of Sprewell and Camby. And this team was right in between those two because they still had um they still had Starks and 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 Oakley but they had already attained Larry Johnson and Alan Chris Giles Alan and Houston. Houston. yeah right so it was like a little bit of like a mix of old and new <sighs> you know how I feel about this team I think this team was the best shot they had to beat Jordan they beat the Bulls two out of four times that season they were the Bulls only home loss that season, and if Ewing doesn't get suspended for taking one step off the bench, I want to at least see what happens when they go up against the Bulls the next round. The the other thing I did want to add is that I think, um, there, so it's a t- it's tough because Ewing only played twenty something games in ninety seven ninety eight because he got hurt. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think even reg- and the per 36 numbers for him in 96, 97, 97, 98 were not all that different. But I think you could it's a pretty simple argument that the 96, 97 version of Ewing was the last great Ewing. It was he made got, all got NBA. It. Yeah, he made all NBA second team that year. He finished eighth in the MVP voting. Um, yeah, he was awesome still. And, and you want to talk about yeah. modern era, Alan Houston, I Alan Houston's career numbers to today are his career. He averaged 40% from three. He would have been perfect for modern NBA. And they still had Starks on that team, too. The 99 team is my favorite team of all time. And they beat, you know what, though? The version of the Heat that they beat in the first round was worse than the version of the Heat that I think beat the Knicks in 96-97. I I can't believe, I I know what you're going to say. And I think I, I have to concede this one. Yeah. Fuck. I listen, same. The 99 season is the year I started following the Knicks. So this is near and dear to my heart. This really is, I, this is this is this is feels wrong. There's just two different versions of that team. There's the team that made the finals, and there's the team that was the eighth seed. No, I know they were a disaster, but I'm thinking like they they it it was Miami. It was their arch rival. It didn't matter that it was one eight. You know, and then the Hawks were never a, a, a stood a chance. And then by the time they got to the Pacers, they were already rolling. Um, but man, Camby, Camby was so f- and good and pretty well. <laughs> oh, four God. point play. Listen, I'm right there with you. Know you know what? No, come oh, on. I can't concede. Well, spree well. Starks was sixth man of the year that year. I Went don't from give averaging a shit. 20 Starks points couldn't a game carry, to- Starks couldn't carry Spreewell's <laughs> jock. Come on. That version of Spiro wasn't even that great. It was just the playoffs that he he found a groove. Yeah, but that was like Jimmy. That was I, I mean, I actually went back and looked at the stats from that finals. He he did not get to Jimmy Butler it was what, 26 levels in a different era. Yeah. And he the, the man scored 37 of the team's 76 or 77. Four yeah, 77. In, yeah. The, in game five of that final. I mean, ugh. shot 21% from three that year. Like the, All right, I get listen, what you're saying. Just, the 99 team is near and dear to my heart, too. I still think that, like, get ready for the next round. I'm ready for that 96-97 team to go make a run here. Because I think that was Ewing's best. It was Ewing's last great team. They finally put other guys around him besides Derek Harper and Hubert Davis and Charles Smith and said, hey, here's Larry Johnson and Alan Houston. It's, just, it's, so, it's so weird because... The closing lineups for both teams were um, for the 99 team. The closing lineup was, you know, Childs or or Ward, whichever you want. And Houston Spreewell. um, Johnson. Johnson and Camby. After you got hurt. Yeah. Yeah. After you got hurt. And then for the 96, 97 team, it was, again, Childs or, or Ward, whoever you want. And then used also Houston. So the same backcourt, but then you go Johnson, Oakley, Ewing. And again, it's still peak Ewing. All right. Let's just, I'll give it to you. Thank I, I, you. We, could, we could be here all Thank night. You. All right. That was not easy though. I know it's same. I, and I, I don't feel good about it. All right. So we have our one, uh, it's the one seed versus the four seed, the 93, 94 Knicks versus the 2012, uh, 2012, 2013 Knicks. Again, I don't, do we need to spend a lot of time on this? No, we don't. I, I would, I love that night, that 12, 13 team, but again, lost to Roy Hibbert. So yeah, they're absolutely um, losing to the 94 Patrick Ewing. Uh, yeah, they this, are. This I next one should be fun though. 
Yeah, I'm just trying to think if there's any like what would the, the, the 13 yeah, no, they wouldn't. Have. They was like they almost let Boston come back and yeah. and friggin' beat them. That 12-13 team was begging for a team to eliminate them because they couldn't make shots. And as streaky as they used to be, that's why they ended up losing to the Pacers. Yeah, they they were streaky and the point guard play wasn't great. And that's the thing that to me, the 93-94 team, that was Derek I it wasn't Derek Harper at his best, but it was like Derek Harper running that show. With that, with the rest of that squad and with that defense, my God, um, yeah, it was really good. Okay, Whew. here we go. <laughs> so we got the ninety two, ninety three Knicks versus the ninety six nine. I I see why you set it up this mm-hmm. way. Ninety two, ninety three versus ninety six, ninety seven. Um, let me just let's just again very very quickly. I want to go through. So the core for each of these teams was in, in the order of. Let's go in the order of like points per game. Okay. Actually, no, let's not go in the order. I would say minutes would actually be the core. (laughs) Yeah, no, let's let's go. Um, let's go starters first. So so it was so basically you got Ewing, Oakley, Charles Smith were your bigs on the 92-93 team, and then Starks and Doc Rivers, with a bench primarily composed of Greg Anthony, Ronaldo Balkman, Tony Campbell. Remember him? Um, uh, Anthony Mason and Hubert Davis. That's a deep team. I just got to put that out there. That's okay. a deep team. Um, now replace like, Hubert Davis with Allen Houston. Well, hold on. So now okay, we're going to get to now we're going to get to 96-97. Um, again, Ewing. Oh, sorry, that was my, again basketball reference. Re- refusing to see to be silent. Um. The, the core of the 96-97 team, Ewing still at center, um, Oakley and Larry Johnson. So essentially you have Larry Johnson taking the place of Charles Smith. Mm-hmm. That seems that seems notable. Yes. Um, <laughs> <that's>, <laughs> yes, John. <laughs> you have Alan Houston taking the place of John Starks. But also start no. still being on the team as the sixth man. The 92-93 team, you have Doc Rivers and I guess Greg Anthony playing a little like a little point guard, but it was mostly Doc Rivers. Um, but it was P it was way past his prime, Doc Rivers. Mm-hmm. Doc, Doc, Doc Rivers started 45 games, averaged eight points a game and five assists. Man, you rigged this thing. I, you uh, know how I feel about that 96 97 team. I, I yeah. really do. And then, yeah, like you said on 96 97, John Starks, Buck Williams. I got, I love Buck Williams. <laughs> I love me some Buck Williams. Um, and he, oh, this is not a good one, though. John Wallace. That team was yeah. not as deep. That team was not, that was a, and then Herb Williams somehow averaged almost 10 minutes a game in oh, only 21 games. I guess my argument's I, more that, the better one through five is the, well, but the hey, one through five is better than the one through five. Now one through eight, fine. No, I'll even I'll give you one through eight because Charlie Ward only started twenty one games, but Charlie Ward was like he had started games in the like big games before. Mm-hmm. So you have Ward and Starks and Buck Williams off the bench. I would I'll give you one through eight. It's one through ten where you go ninety two, ninety three. Um. I can't believe this. Where are you leaning right now? No, I'm going to give you the, I'm going to give you this. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm just maybe the happiest man. I was I so think, ready to fight you on this. Okay. No, because you know what? 
I'm little known fact. I'm not a big Starks guy. Um, and so I've heard. Yes. And Allen Houston, this was Allen Houston's first year with the team. And I, he was good. He was really good. He shot almost five threes a game, 38, you know, so if they're playing by modern rules, I think he'd be fine. Um, Larry Johnson hadn't really started to extend his range yet. Um, but yeah, I'll give you this. Okay. So this really breaks down to, cause I don't think either of these teams, well, I guess this will be interesting for what the finals are, but this really comes down to, and I want to go back to my nothing but Knicks days, but Alex Wolf and I once did an all 2000s team. Okay. Uh, we did a draft and we had to put 12 men together, 12 man roster together with only guys that played from 2000 to 2009. And Alan Houston was my number one pick. And it's how good of a shooter he was. I don't think that's wrong. Well, like that's the, my affection for Alan Houston, which is why it was tough for me to eliminate the 99 team, given what he did in yeah. round one. Um, but I still contend with that. Like Alan Houston next, like three years younger next to Patrick Ewing in the final year of his prime. That was for me, at least the best shot they had. It's why I'll never forgive David Stern for suspending Ewing for one game. I mean, I don't think they would have beaten the Bulls. Um, I just want to see it. I thought that was their best shot. Like I didn't think the Clippers were going to beat the Lakers. I wanted to see it though. Yeah. No, I hear you. All right, look, uh, they advance. So our finals, uh, how many? I think that that one goes to seven games, though. Um, yes. All right, so our finals. This uh, is why I can't be. I can't be stupid. I'm not like I'm not picking against the team that was well. A let's John just start shot away from winning the finals. Let's just say this: Does the so it's 93, 94 Knicks versus the 96, 97 Knicks? Yes. Does the 96, 97 team have an argument? Here's what I'll say. Okay, let me hear it. So the 96-97 team, again, oh, I, I can't, here's the thing I can't get over. Yes, they won the exact same amount of games. I get that. But the net ratings, 7.5 in 93-94 versus 3.4 in 96-97. I understand 96-97 was a better league because 93-94 was, Jordan was still, Jordan obviously was gone. Um, and it was just Shaq wasn't ready. So here's, here's the argument for the 96, 97 team. It was a much better league. And you could argue that if that team was in 93, 94, the same result would have happened because they would have, they would have beaten the nets in the first round. They would have beaten the bulls in the second round. Mm -hmm. And would they have beaten the Pacers? I think so. Yeah. I think they would have beaten the Pacers yes. too. They would have beaten the Rockets. They wouldn't have beaten the Rockets or would have? I don't I don't think they would have beaten the Rockets. You talk about the 90, you have, we're talking about 96 97 wouldn't have beaten the Yeah, they would Rockets. not have beaten the Rockets because I think you have an older you have an older Ewing trying to defend Elijah Wan. Um and but you do have more I think you have the rest of the roster to combat. You have more you have more firepower. Yeah. Um like Starks I, now is your your third option, and he's not taking 17 threes in game seven or going two for 17 in game seven. Look, I actually do this lean the 96 because here's it's this like, is crazy that I'm even thinking about this. I lean 93 94 because that team defensively was on like 
I guess stoppable would be the better question. Better no, they, way to they say were it. unstoppable and they first were on a in, mission. Yeah, first in defensive rating, first in opponent field goal percentage. I think if we're putting these teams against each other, Pat Riley figures out a way to be. Well, I guess maybe not so because we're talking Pat Riley against Van Gundy, and we saw what happened. Hold on, let me, in the I'm Knicks a, Knicks Heat rivalries. Yeah, right. I don't I, listen. That's a draw. Yeah, that's a coaching draw. Okay, um, I, I, I hold on. I just want to look and see. I put John that, 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 that roster. Wow. The roster in 93-94 was okay. Ewing, Starks, Oakley, um, Derek Harper, and so the the rest of the games were started by a mishmash of a, a bunch of people. Oh wait, I swear go. that Av that yes, we're voting. Okay, leave us alone. Is that what it's telling us yes, it's a, I got um, the same thing when I went to basketball. I was to write my notes today. So man, this was a deep team. You had here. Here's the other pieces you had. Mm-hmm. You had playing like significant minutes. You had Anthony Bonner, and I know Anthony Bonner. Nobody even knows who that is, but that I loved that dude because mm-hmm. that dude was a helpful player. You had Greg Anthony. You had Hubert Davis. You had Charles Smith. Not starting a lot of games. You we in this conversation, we I guess we could could we have Doc Rivers and Derek Harper. I feel like maybe we can, even though Doc Rivers went down with whatever. Uh, AC, you know. That's the thing. If we're going at like what happened that season, that version of Doc Rivers gets hurt. You had Anthony Mason. You had a still like functional Herb Williams appeared in 70 games. And you had Ronaldo Blackman. You've actually kind of swung me the other way. Uh, that 96, 97 would have won. So who do you think wins? I think... This series is going seven. And I trust the offense in 96-97 to win one game than the one that had John Starks as the second best player in 93. It's an unfair thing, but if we're literally nitpicking to the point where we need to find small things. I think Derek Harper was their second best player. But, okay, I'm I'm going by shots, though. I'm like... Starks averaged 19 a game that year. Like maybe like productivity is a whole different conversation than actual, again, greatness versus best, you know? Well, that was the year they had three all-stars. I th- I'm pretty sure they had, that was the year they got Oakley in too. 95 was the year that they had three all-stars. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Um, I, I got to go 93. We're, we're not going to come to a consent. I have to go 93, 94. Well, because my original reflex was 93, 94. So I I will go with you there. I just I still I don't know what the ceiling was for 96 97 because we'll never know. I think that team had such a they were so determined. They were so determined to get all the way. Um all right. It is now 905 at, as we are recording this. So we have to go watch uh Two people. <laughs> I, I don't, I Goat versus boat. <laughs> uh, God, November 3rd. Can't get here. By for the way, you were right. It was 93, 94 that. Uh, uh, they had three the all-stars. Had three all-stars. I, I yeah, thought it was so. 95 yeah. that I, I, I got I, wrong. I, okay. Um, this was fun. Was um, it? So congr- or was it agonizing? It was fun and agonizing. Okay, good. 
Um, the, so the congratulations to the 93, 94 Knicks, probably predictably, but, um, <laughs> you are officially the best team of, uh, the last 30 years. Um, Andrew, this was awesome. Uh, um, you know what I'm going to do? Tell the folks at home where they can find you. You can find me on Twitter at Andrew J. Claudio underscore. You can find my podcast vital score on iTunes, Google play, Stitcher radio, Spotify, Amazon, iHeart, everywhere. Podcasts are available. You could find the podcast that I edit, the Knicks Film School podcast, um, on the same streaming platforms every Monday morning and maybe twice or once more a week. And I don't know, on Instagram and Letterboxd at Andrew J. Claudio underscore as well. And maybe in the future, if John's looking for another episode where I can just come and yell about the things that have bothered me from Nick's Twitter and Putting him in a pretzel when I have to make him choose between the 99 Knicks and the team that I consider the best Knicks team of the 90s. I'm not uh, going to sleep tonight. Yeah, you're welcome for that. How far would the 99 team have gotten if you had let them upset the, the what was it? They played the 90, they played the no, 96, they, 97 team. How far uh, would I they have gotten if I let you beat the 96, 97 team? They would have made it to the finals. They they would have made it. To they just they, no like that team. They that would team have. Would they, have ju- they just need to get over one hump, and once they got over that one hump, they were kind of unstoppable. That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. And I think I I could have talked myself into them giving ninety three ninety four run for their money. Oh my money. god. <laughs> okay. That's that's where we need a little more. And ninety nine Listen, I'll, I'll always love that. That ninety nine. Agreed. Okay. Um, Andrew, you're the man. Uh, thank you for uh, coming on. Thank you for all that you do. Um, everybody out there, thanks for listening to uh, another episode of the Next Film School podcast. Join us on Monday for the 250th episode of this show. Hey, uh, I will have obviously Jeremy Cohen, but I will also have a very special guest that you're not going to want to miss. I promise. Um, I'm going to leave you hanging and uh, I will talk to you then. Video. 